0: Hey guys, and welcome to Personality Bingo with me, your host, Tom Moore. So, guys, this week on the podcast, we have Mary. Burn. Mary is a singer, someone you're gonna know from TV. She was also just in the panto with me, and um, we became great friends. She is an absolute sweetheart. Uh, at, right at the top of this one, I want to say a massive thank you to her for taking the time to do it because Mary is one of the hardest working people I've ever met. Um, aside from you know all her success on X Factor, I mean, she was someone who came from. We talk about it on the episode. It, it's it's like such folklore at this point, but she was someone who came from. For those who don't know, from working in Tesco, um, you know, in, in Ballyfermot, to you know, being watched by. Tens of millions of people On a weekly basis produce these amazing performances She is exactly what you think She's going to be When you meet her in person I said this during the episode I was like, It was just such a relief That she was as lovely As she was And it's been so nice To have a friendship with her And you know Just a massive thank you To her for taking the time to do it Because we were in that Crazy run of shows For Panto We're doing two shows Every day Pretty much no days off And she still Was kind enough To come and take the time and talk to me on a our little podcast you know and she's someone who's constantly on RTE and TV3 and you know doing all these massive, massive shows I mean you'll know Mary from so many things she's you know played the Aviva Stadium in front of 55,000 people she's done Grease the Musical at the Gosh Energy Theatre she's done so many different bits and bobs she's had a record deal with Sony she's been you know like celebrity banished or like the list goes on and on and it was just so nice to kind of meet her and kind of you know just see that who she is authentically is exactly what you'd expect her to be from you know having seen her on the TV um, and stuff you know she just finished up on Operation Transformation and we talk a lot about that and just like her health and stuff and it's just real nice to see someone like I don't know just working hard and doing their best and you know just being a really lovely person along the way so Mary if you're listening a massive thank you to you for taking the time to do it guys in other news um, loads going on at the moment uh, I th- I feel like I've been saying I can announce the next thing for ages uh, I'm still not able to announce the next thing but um, it's coming really soon in the next couple of weeks um, I'll be really excited to tell you about some more work that I am um, bringing you and if you're able to support that in any way it'll be deadly but I can't say nothing for the moment so um, stay tuned for more stuff we have some dead Deadly episodes in the can. And we did this, as I said, with Mary during the panto. So we probably got about six episodes in the can, which is really nice. They're all absolutely smashing episodes. And I can confirm that. So if you haven't already done it, hit subscribe down the bottom. Give us a rating, a comment. That makes a massive difference on our iTunes or wherever you are listening to this podcast. Uh, And the best way of all to advertise us is to tell a friend. If you enjoyed it, just let them know and um, tell them that they should have a listen too. So, guys... Please enjoy this deadly, deadly episode with the wonderful Mary Byrne playing personality bingo with Tom Moore. Mary Byrne, ready to play personality bingo?
1: Yes, I am. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Right. So um, I'll give a quick explainer of how it all works. So there's 60 balls in here. I'm going to put 60 minutes on the clock. And I've got 60 questions on this sheet. I've also given you five numbers there. Would you do me a favour and read out the five numbers I've given you? Uh,
1: 39, 11, 17 and 27 and 52.
0: Lovely. Would you do me a favour and pick a sixth number, something that's not there between 1 and 60? 18? Lovely. Yeah, it's perfect. Right. All right, sweet. Okay, and I should say that if all six of your numbers do come out, then the tables are turned and you get to ask me any question. Right. That you like.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't like that glint in your eye. <laughs> right, let's give it a spin. Oh no. my God, I'm spitting balls at you. <laughs>
1: That's what you said last
0: night. No, don't put that in. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. mind. <laughs> uh, number 40, do you have it?
1: No, I don't actually.
0: No worries. Number 40, the question is, oh, here's a good one. What is your biggest downfall when it comes to being healthy?
1: Oh, um, lots of things—trim mm. uh, ones, crisps—and yeah. um, I just love um, Smarties and yeah. chocolate. I'm just—I'm literally addicted to them, so I have to stay completely away from them. Or if I have one, I have to make sure it's once a month. And just enjoy it.
0: What was it like doing the operation transformation? Because like inevitably, people kind of you know the way. It's one of them amazing things where people join in at home and they kind of get on board with you. Yeah. Did you feel like a pressure that like as well as you're doing it for yourself, obviously, but then inevitably you end up doing it for the people who are watching it as well?
1: Yeah. I mean, but nobody did put pressure on me. I have to say, the people who followed me did put no pressure on me. They told me to just do what I could do and to be to enjoy it. Mm. Um. But I did feel the pressure. I did feel it because I knew that I was aiming at my age group, and people like me who sit at home and thought, "I can't lose this weight. There's nothing I can do." So I had I had just stood on that uh, in that television and said, "I can do this. I'm going to get this together. I'm going to do it." So I had to do it. I had to do it for me, and I had to do it for them. So that was the pressure. I put the pressure on myself mm. more so than anybody else putting it on me. But I, you know, I needed that kick in the bum from Operation Transformation to get up and do what I have to do.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's really useful, like, I mean, it it because it's interesting, like, you can, for all the world, you can say, like, oh, I'm going to do it for myself, but it's amazing when, like, you have that extra thing, because, like, I'm sure we all know we could be a bit healthier, yeah. but, like, sometimes you just need that extra thing.
1: Well, the thing is, uh, two years prior to it, I did a Jason Vale diet, which is a juicing diet. Now, it's on your 28 diet, and you cannot live on juicing. But I lost, I think, something like um, 15 pound or something on that Jason Veil diet but I couldn't shift once I came off that I couldn't no matter how many diets I went on no matter what I did I just couldn't shift that and then when operation came around I remember saying to them look I have an underactive thyroid I'm crippled with arthritis there's no way this weight is going to come down at me I don't know how we're going to do it and when the first four and a half pound went out me it was the shock of a lifetime to me and what it proved to me was by getting up and moving by eating the proper foods and you're not hungry on it. By no means are you hungry on it and you're getting good, solid food. So it was it was the fact that I didn't realize I had to change the way I was eating. The diet, the healthy food I was eating prior to Operation Transformation wasn't the right stuff. Mm -hmm. I needed to be shown what to do. Mm And when that came along and, it, as I call it, the kick in the bum I needed to show me that I can get up off my backside, even where arthritis and move. And I can do certain forms of exercises and I can burn the calories and I can lose the weight and I can keep like that. That's the main thing. I can keep it like that because I've now integrated all of that into my everyday life. And it's easy. It's it, it, Like it's hard in the beginning but it's, it gets easier as you're going along.
0: Mm. Do you... Like is Panto the most like intense like showy singing, acting thing that you've done in terms of the amount of shows in a row?
1: Um, it's it's the most full on yeah. show that I've done. I mean I did do a show called Menopause the Musical yeah. which for me because I... For some reason they put me in as the character that did all the running around and the jumping and I had to wear tracksuits and do jumping jacks on the stage and <sighs> stuff like that. So physically the, the up uh, the
0: menopause, oh, menopause yeah. was more physical. Yes,
1: but the panto was more full-on. I had to be there constantly, I and mean, we were doing two shows a day. and very little exercise. The only real exercise I was getting on Panto was the little dance we do at the end. yeah, and the changing of clothes, which was I found very hard and very, very um, physical, yeah, especially the dresses I was wearing, because mm. I'm wearing the big huge dresses, like, you know, I'm the queen, yeah, and they they weigh a ton. And I had to put change into three of those dresses every day. Yeah. So, yeah, I suppose, yeah, I don't know. I suppose both of them were were equally the same physical. But the panto was more intense, I think.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, I wonder what it would have been... Like, cause like obviously, like yeah, you've lost like so much of the Four weight. Four stone, yeah. Four stone, yeah. Like So imagine doing all that with that extra weight. I
1: wouldn't have been able to. Really? No, I wouldn't have been able to. I, I did menopause with the fifteen pound gone off me, and I found that even hard because I was nearly tw- I was nearly twenty stone mm. when I first started, like two years ago. I was nearly twenty stone, and I did menopause when I was um, I think I was eighteen fourteen. Mm. So I was only a stone, a little little over a stone gone, and I found that. Uh, you know so painful on me knees and me body and the whole lot so if I hadn't have lost the four stone I think I would have crippled I would have buckled in the panto yeah. because the panto was so full on yeah. so the four stone gone off me helped me knees like the pain is still there but it's nothing compared to what it was Um, and I feel good about myself as well you know my skin is better I feel younger even though I'm, I'm 58 but I still feel, I feel mm. that I'm now in the late 40s rather so than the the late 80s, 50s. I could talk backwards and everything I am. But yeah, I do. Losing weight and getting yourself into a fitter situation. You don't have to be an athlete. You don't have to be, you know, have abs as strong as an ox. You just need to be healthy in yourself. And, you know, to have got there. And I've still another four stone to go and I still have to get fitter. But I'm not going to be an athlete. By no means am I going to be an athlete. I just want to feel good in my skin. And feel good about my heart, my knees, and everything else that you know keeps me going, keeps yeah. me alive.
0: Yeah, amazing. So oh, let's give it a spin. Woohoo. All right, here we go. Number twenty-five. Do you have it?
1: No, I don't. This is all fixed.
0: <laughs> 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 um, tell us something that you think people would consider surprising when they learn it about you.
1: Ah, uh, God! I think people by now know most stuff about me. And anyway, um. Yeah, I suppose that people would be surprised to find out that I am a bit of a romantic Mm. and um, I love long walks on the beach and I love I'd love to meet somebody. You know, we're working in the moment at the moment in the panto and we're working with a guy called Morgan. Yeah, who if he was straight. Yeah, would be my ideal man to walk along the beaches with to um, travel with to be my companion. In, I don't even. am not even talking about the sexual side of it. I'm talking about the the physical and the mental side of it. He would be my de- ideal man. And a lot of people don't know what my ideal man is, so if they want to know. They just have to Google Gorgon, Morgan um, Crowley, Crowley. Yeah, 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 and they'll know what my ideal man would be.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's. I mean, he's such a sweetheart.
1: Oh, he's a gentleman an, an out and an out-and-out gentleman. Now I don't know what he's like at home. The man that I've met is has been nothing but kind to me. He's helped me right through the show. He's considerate of me. I remember during the show, I lost my sister in law. Mm. She died on Christmas Eve and we had to do two shows then on Stevens's Day. And I remember the very first show I sang, I sing a song called You're My World. And that was her favorite song. And I didn't think of that song until I was in the theater and I have sitting there with the baby and I went, oh, Mark. And I whispered to him because we were sit- he's on his knee talking to me while Sammy and Buffy are doing their thing. Mm. And I said, I can't sing the song. And he said, What? I said, This is my sister in law song. And he said, Don't, don't, don't panic, swallow, relaxing. And I burst I, I sang the song and broke down at the end. But who was waiting for me outside? Morgan mm. was waiting for me. So that's my ideal man. He thinks of you as much as he thinks of himself. Yeah. So he cares for him, and that care then pours out onto the people he cares about. Yeah. And I just love that. Yeah. So that'd be one of the surprises. If I told you the others, you just your listeners wouldn't want to hear them.
0: Are you sure? They're too personal. Okay. Well, <laughs> This is personality.
1: <laughs> I can't really think of anything else that people would be surprised.
0: No, that's great. That's a great answer. Do you, do you like? Do you find it hard to to like meet people?
1: Yeah, I do find it hard to to meet people. I mean, first and foremost, I don't really want to settle, mm-hmm. but I would love someone in my life. Now, that someone would have to live in their own place, and me and mine, because I I think what's happened is over the years I've become so used to my own company and so independent that I like having my own space. So if I was to meet somebody, um, that's why Morgan would probably be fantastic if he was straight. Mm. I mean, he has his own place and I have my own place. Just someone for company's sake, a little bit of loving every so often, a kiss and a cuddle, a hand across the table to tell you everything's OK. That's what I would like. And I do find it hard now, more so now since I come onto this side of the show business, to find or meet somebody because people, I always get the impression, do they, are they only looking at me because I'm Mary Bourne. Yeah. So it's a bit awkward that way. Yeah. But um, that doesn't, I don't rule it out. But I don't, I'm not looking for it. But if it happens, be great. Yeah, it's one of it's, it's, it's can, we, can we change Morgan?
0: <laughs> <laughs> if there's one woman yes. who can change Morgan. Yeah, it's, it's one of them, it's one of them funny things, like, because it's funny when you say that, like, as in, like, like, I'm, like, th- like, 30 years younger than you. I, I, mm. I, that, that to me even sounds lovely, because, like, I'm, like, that's what I love, like, having my own space and yeah, you know, and um like I, I'm not in any way comparing it, but it is just that someone, yeah, that you have. And I mean and it's different though, because like I'm sure like, you know, you sound like you're very close to your family and yeah. you've got your friends, but it is that something different that you
1: It's that one thing that stands away from all of that mm-hmm. that that you you just you yearn for and every single human being yearns for it. It doesn't mean it, it defines us in any way. Yeah. It's just that Longing to someone. Now, I have my daughter who I love very, very much, but you need. I think everyone at some stage or in some way needs that that touch from mm. someone of the opposite sex or the same sex, wherever floats your boat, just to hold you mm. and, and and make you feel that you're something special. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't define you as a person. You are who you are. If you're a strong person, like I am, you're a strong person. If you're a, a lonely person, then you're a lonely person. What that partner should define in your life is just peace of mind and a little bit of loving and fun. Mm-hmm. That's the way I look at it.
0: Yeah. Have you ever done like the the dating apps thing or like the internet stuff?
1: Funny you should say that. I've been contacted by a particular dating act, uh, um, app, well, company, and they want me to do something for them. They, they also set, offered me their... Um, business for nothing mm. if I wanted to look for a nice man I don't know if I'd be interested in that now or not but like you know if they want me to do some work for them I, I probably will go and do some work for them yeah. I, can't, I won't ma- name them because I, I don't want to do that but uh, would I go on and date app well for two reasons one is I can't use computers mm-hmm. and secondly I'd be afraid of my life and that's basically the way it is yeah
0: yeah it was funny even like one of the nights in the dressing room i said to saying to you like i'm going out tonight for a few drinks and like the, the mammy and you came out so fast you're like do no, you mind yourself yeah <laughs> was be like, careful yeah <laughs> yeah but i mean no it's true it's a big like um i i, I i've had that before i used date naps before right And went on a date with someone and like because it's a real superficial thing you know what mm. we're talking about i'm talking about the romantic side of it and i think i'm very romantic as well like yeah. yourself but dating apps are not romantic. They're very no. superficial because you're looking at a face and maybe they've written a sentence about themselves and you know yourself. You can't know anyone even by a sentence, never mind like yeah, anything exactly. else. So, um, like, it's, it, and, and I showed up. We, we talked for a while and, like, you got a nice vibe and I felt like, and I think it's actually more serious for a woman to go on a date with a man just because, like, of... Scary. The, there's more of a physical threat, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, I'm, like, relatively speaking, generally speaking, I'm not gonna, there's no risk of me getting raped. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Well... Right. You know, there is. No, you're right, you're right, sorry. But there's a much smaller risk statistically, right? So, um... Uh, and I went and the girl just looked nothing like what her pictures looked like.
1: Oh right, there's another...
0: There's another thing because, yeah. and it's like, and I, you know, you could go into like how that's sad that she didn't feel like she could put up pictures that actually represented what she looks like now or whatever. But like on a dating app, that's a real problem because it's so superficial that if you don't kind of sign up for that contract of superficiality, yeah. you're in trouble. But she's
1: she was obviously, you know, showing you a picture of herself that wasn't really looking like herself that was her insecurity. Exactly. That was her way of drawing attention to the photograph. Yeah. And, and you can't do that. If you're going to, I think if you're going to date anybody or whatever way you do it, you have to be honest. Mm-hmm. If you're a genuine person, you mm-hmm. have to be honest on your, your apps. You have to be honest on whatever you're doing because, you know, if I mean, I'm talking just not women, men as well. And the thing is about men is, you know, some men, people don't realise that men have insecurities too and they're afraid to show their real face on the, on, on, a, on an app or on a photograph and that's sad because if you're going to meet somebody, you know, and they they're really looking for love and, and a relationship, you're going to see the real person there. In any anyway, so why not show the real person and then let the person who's looking decide? Because not all of us go for good looks, or mm. you know, some of us might go for the a short little fella who who just has a great personality and and looks after you. So be honest. That's that's my policy when you're dating anybody or doing anything like that. Be honest. Yeah,
0: yeah. Like, like, and you know. Well, with your daughter and stuff like how how does she find it with, like with you like do you have that kind of relationship where you like talk about that kind of stuff where she'll talk to you about like her love life and you'll talk about like yours or like what you're looking for in that way yeah
1: she would talk to me uh, you know to a certain extent i mean i don't want to know she has her friends there for that if she needs advice and she thinks i could give it to her she would come to me yeah that's that's the relationship because it's always been just the two of us mm. um i think she she wants, another thing as well, I think, because she still lives with me, I think she would love to see me with somebody but also would be scared that we would lose what we have. Mm. You know what I mean? But that, that wouldn't happen. But if she had a relationship, I would like to think that she would come to me if she had problems or if she was just unsure of something and, and talk to me. I wouldn't interfere unless she was being badly treated in any way. Yeah. Um, if she met somebody that was treating her good, I would say you know hang on in there because it's a good person mm-hmm. but if somebody was treating you, treating her bad they would you know the saying we have in the in the play when I say you know I'm going the worst nightmare of all mm-hmm. the mammy mm-hmm. that's what I would be if someone was hurting her or taking her from her but she does talk to me and I would like to think that she would tell me whatever she felt threatened or feared by any man or woman or at like that so that we could deal with it together
0: mm-hmm. yeah I'd yeah. say you're a wonderful mother
1: I wouldn't say I'm a wonderful mother, but I, I, you know, there has been times when I've taken up for her, and yeah. people have been scared. I'm not a violent person, but don't push me, children, or my family around the place. Mm-hmm. I just won't take it. Yeah, you know, I've been walked on too long in my life, and as I got to a certain age, into my torties and when I got into my 40s. I said, "This is it. You're on your own here, girl. You're gonna have to stand up for yourself, and you're gonna have to teach her to do the same thing." And that's what I did, and she's seen me doing it. And, like, she's often said to me, you know, you're a scary woman when you get going. <laughs> and I don't mean to be, but I just, I won't have people that I love, you know, unless those people that I love have treated somebody badly, you know, then I, I, I would back off. But if, if my par- if somebody there, just say you, right, yeah. were being treated wrongly where we're walking, mm-hmm. I would be the force to stand up and say, that's not on. And that's just who I am. I don't like injustice. Mm-hmm. And that goes for human beings, animals. Anybody, I don't like injustice, and I don't think anybody has the right to treat somebody badly for their own sakes. Mm-hmm. And that's the way I feel.
0: You know the way when you said like that was that transition like for, like in your thirties, and you said you were just like enough of this. I've been walking long enough. What mm. was it that you think that made that transition happen for you?
1: I think what happened then was uh, like I had Deborah at twenty seven, mm. and we moved up to our own house. We were living on our own, and it was just me and her. Mm. And my mum wasn't well, and. Deborah's the relationship with Deborah's father wasn't, you know, it had gone. He just walked off and, and left me and I kind of had one or two fellas while Deborah was just a baby and they treated me quite badly as well. Well, they didn't treat me badly. They took me for granted. They took me hugely for granted. And I was a very foolish woman who was searching for love at the time. And, you know, let them walk over me. And in my twenties, when I moved up to where I was living, I was having a bit of a bad time with, neighbor, with a neighbour, in particular a male neighbour and because I was a woman on my own he thought he could have the upper hand to me he was just a big wimp who you know wouldn't fight a man Mm. but he'd fight a woman Right. but he picked on the wrong one because the day that he approached me and and threatened me I lost the head and I stood face to face with him and I have to say this is embarrassing I weed with the the fright and fear I got of myself standing up Mm. and he never touched me after that he never came near me after that because I said some very choice words to him, and I, I, you know, I had to use people that I knew to threaten him with to get him away. But the, the thing was, that's when I realized you can walk over me. You have walked over me for long enough. Now this Aija is not going to walk over me, and this Aija is going to hear my wrath, and he's going to realize that I might be on my own, but I can be as strong as any
0: Come on, Excuse the language, yeah, but no, I can absolutely. That's an amazing moment, isn't it? When you like, like the first time you kind of yeah. do that, and you're like. Oh, it works.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and I did actually go to the toilet. Yeah. I, I was so embarrassed. I was standing in trousers and with the fear of me facing him, it was like, you know, I, I'm standing there going, don't think of that, don't think of that, just do what you have to do. But it was the most scariest moment of my life.
0: Uh, did he threaten you physically or did you feel physically threatened?
1: No, he threatened me physically. He lifted his hand Jeez. and I grabbed it and I said, hit me and you'll die where you stand. Wow. And he kind of, look back because I had seen him doing other things to 16 to year old boys and stuff like that beating them and stuff like that but he um, to be standing beside someone who stood up to him he, he couldn't now he has apologised since then really he has come to me and apologised and realised that he was in the wrong mm. and that his family were in the wrong mm. so that's, that's it's all water under the bridge now but what it did for me was prove to me that I can cope on my own um, that doesn't mean I want to but I can do it if I have
0: to. Yeah, and I will continue to do it. Did you find a lot of that w- w- when, like, the success came with the with everything? Just because I mean, like, it, the the hilarious thing is, like, you always had the voice. You know, that was never yeah. the thing. But then, when the voice was like recognized, like on such an amazing public level, did you find a lot of people that you had had encounters with in your life and stuff, and maybe negative ones came back with like a view to reconcile them or to?
1: He came back. I did a. a before I did The X Factor, I did a little thing on TG Carr for, um, it was called Nulloch Number 1, Christmas Number 1 and I went on to win it. Now, downloaded, the, the single that was made was a, downloaded 19 of them or something like that. Like it was a little small, tiny show but it was, it, what is what gave me the courage then to go and do The X Factor. But it was during that show that when he seen the person I was and he realised, and, and his girlfriend realised what they had done, And that I wasn't the bad person they had made me out to be. That's when they came to me. So it wasn't after the X Factor, he reconciled. What I did find after the X Factor is that people treated me differently. Some um, very little begrudgery. uh, And a lot of the time, people wanted to hug me and show me respect. Now, not that they didn't show me respect beforehand, but they were more hands-on this time Mm -hmm. after the show. Whether that was because... Well, they did tell me that, that I, I put Ballyferm on the map and that they were so proud of me and that I had stood well on that stage. And I had carried the weight of Ireland, I suppose, on me shoulders and carried it well. And so, yet yeah, it was a different. They did treat me differently. Mm. Some badly, very few, but the rest with the greatest respect, which I, I found amazing. Yeah. You know, and i being told that you're an inspiration to people. Oh, I That t- just kicks you.
0: I watched it because I watched the Factor like religiously. It was a real family thing for us. And yeah. it was so. I literally, like, and I, I was probably, I don't know, how, how many years ago was it? Seven. Seven. Uh, well,
1: eight, isn't it? 2010. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. Yeah. So I would have been like a 16-year-old, 16 year old, 16, 17 year old kid. I remember every time I used to just cry. Like, <laughs> dude, I, I did. I got so emotional because I was like. I'm, I'm that's on... because you're Irish connection Yeah That's what that is And I was looking at someone who was yeah. like First of all like This re- Like your story's ridiculous It's crazy Did But it's just, true It's true <laughs> But do you know what I mean And I was like this is so miraculous Like this is someone just like Living their dream And like just smashing so many barriers and expectations It yeah. was just such a beautiful story Did And you... it was
1: a very scary time because, I can um, imagine I remember sitting on the till Many times And going out singing with my brothers in pubs And clubs around Ireland But the day I decided I was going to do this I wouldn't let the fear get me. And I kept going and we kept going. We did the auditions and we did this and then we went in front of the judges. And then when they told me I was true, when I when we went to boot camp and I, I couldn't feel any nerves and I'm saying, why am I not like I was nervous? But wasn't what I was expecting to be. But it was when I got into them studios, that's when it hit me. The scariness, what I had done, I had now put myself on a platform that was going to be watched by thousands of people all over the UK and Ireland. And God knows where else. I mean I've had letters from America um from Finland, from Asia you know people who have seen it online still to this day are are only seeing the auditions and still writing to me and it's wow. crazy yeah it's crazy and how I had the courage to do it God only knows and I mean that literally because that's who I put it out to yeah when I was when I was looking to do something different in my life I said I'm gonna put it to you, you've given me this voice, I've wasted it for so long, I've only come back in the last couple of years. If you open the doors, I promise you I'll go through them. And within months of me believing that I was going to do something, doors were opening everywhere and it was crazy so I think it was one of those things people would say you put it into the universe and it comes back to you I don't know for me it was putting it to God yeah. and asking him to
0: open the door did, did you ever like as a kid like when you were like in school and stuff like what, what was your background were you doing singing lessons were you doing musicals <laughs> no
1: the funny thing was in school um, all the plays that were, were done I was never picked for one of them really never picked for one of them and yeah and Omni reports I'd always get you know bad report and but music always got top marks on me reports mm. and you got to remember you're going back now to the 60s yeah. when I was in school so the, you wouldn't have got the grade you're getting today um, but even when they were doing Snow White which was one of my favourite little the first time i ever seen it was on a black and white television mm. and um, I remember wanting to play Snow White or even one of the dwarfs would have done me mm. they just didn't they went for the girl with the long black hair who looked like Snow White had no voice mm. But she got the thing and I was just put back helping everybody. So I just didn't bother after that. I got no singing lessons whatsoever. The first time I ever sang in public was in what well, I sang in public in the school with my classmates, but the first time I ever sang in public, I was 14 years of age. It was Christmas night. There was a party in the house and everybody was singing songs. That's what they used to do years ago. Right. It's your turn now. And then they came to me and I'm sitting there behind this chair kind of. But I remember singing it was a very old song. And I remember my mother looking at me, father looking and everybody looking at me and going eh, where did that come from? Really? And that was the first time that they have had ever heard me sing a big song. Like I had sang Dana's uh, Eurovision song on tape recorder when I was nine or something. Yeah. But the voice that came after that, the voice that I have now, that deep voice, that big, big belter. Yeah that happened when I was in me fo- when I was 14 years of age. It just came out of me. Wow. And I didn't know where it was coming from.
0: Wow. So. What was the conversation like when you had to tell the people in like your supervisor or whatever in Tesco for the first time and you had to say like, eh, I'm going to the X Factor. I can't come in tomorrow. Sorry.
1: <laughs> I went up to, I went into my boss and I said, um, I'm at to go in for the auditions for the X Factor. And he kept looking at me and he said, you're joking me. And they all knew I could sing because they were all, they, they were always supporting me when I used to go do gigs and stuff. Yeah. But he was, he just kind of, took it in his stride and said okay what do you need and I said I need a few days off this was going for the auditions in particular mm. and they just got behind me and said yeah go ahead and then when everything when I got to meet the judges when I was got the time the told that I was going to meet the judges um, people in the shop the ordinary customer were bombarding me with questions and I couldn't get any work done so my manager and my supervisor called me in and told me I could have the time off with pay until, however far I went in the in the in the show, wow, and that was in the April. So from April through to December, they paid my wage wow. into the bank every week wow. and looked after me. And I will never forget that. People said, "Oh, you get them so much publicity; you should have got this, you should have got that." They looked after me. Now, they would have got the publicity regardless, but they did get behind me and look after me. And wow. after the show was finished as well, they they gave me some nice surprises. So. I can't. I will never knock Tesco's oh, yeah. for the way they looked after me through that X
0: Factor. Did like because it? Was, I, I don't I don't know. I was talking to um Paddy just before we started, and we were talking about the X Factor because I I really did watch it then. And we were talking about how it's really interesting to see people's trajectories and where they go mm. after that. Like, what was it in your did, like honestly when you were when you say left the X Factor right? like did you think that right in seven years time I will still be able to like make my living from singing or did you think you would go back and have a different job again
1: first foremost when I went for the X Factor I didn't go in to be a superstar I just wanted to see I suppose I was proven to myself that I could sing first of all because no matter how many people told me I could sing my insecurity my, my own self doubt I never believed it and I don't even like listen to myself singing now. Mm. And that's that's crazy. A lot of people say that's that's ridiculous. But I just don't Kay. because it's an insecurity inside me. When I went on the X Factor, I didn't go in to be a pop star. I didn't go in to win it um, because I always said, and if anyone looks back over the the, the shows, they'll see me saying that in all my interviews that it's a young person show. I just wanted to see what they taught and then to be given a better platform. Um, when it all finished and I got to do my first album with Sony, with Psycho um, and then I did a tour and then I had a full year of work that was just crazy from back to the UK, back to Ireland, back to... And the following year, half of the following year. Then after that, the phone call stopped and we parted, uh, the management from the UK, we parted. On good terms, mm. I must say, it was my decision because I couldn't keep going to the UK. They wanted me to live there to do the work. If I had of, I would have been a richer woman today mm. but I chose to stay at home in Ireland with me daughter, me, me family. And for six months, work dried up. And the only people that were contact me were um, the likes of the papers. The journalists that I knew were asking me, you know, how's it going, Mary? What's the thing? They kept in touch with me I, and I have to give them that. They did. Mm. And I was saying nothing's coming in. It's getting scary and blah, blah, blah. And they were printing it because they were asking me, could they? And I said, yeah, I've always had a good uh, relationship with the paparazzis in the UK. And the journalists and paparazzi, paparazzis here because I always just give and because they're doing their job. Yeah. So it was Christmas of 2012 when I went to do a, a Christmas uh, for Pieta House in the Red Cow and I met Catty, which is my manager now. Mm. And we just got talking. I had no manager. I had no gigs coming in. I was really, really hitting rock bottom at this stage. Money was dwindling. Um, and I was thinking about going back to work in Tesco's or working somewhere else and we got talking we decided we'd work it as a business between us and it was slow pick up but then it just started picking up and I just kept saying no I'm not going to I'm at the working hard for this so I'm going to try I'll never be a millionaire but at least I'll have the job that I love and I'll be doing what I love doing so me and Ho got together and we got it up and we've had our down bits but we've had good bits as well and it's getting better now and people are starting to realise you know because People only see me singing once, one one night on the X Factor. Mm. So to get people to come out to see a concert was very hard because they just see me on the X Factor. They didn't know that I could put on this great show and I can put on a great show. So all of that is paying off now. The, the weeks that we went and did shows and lost a lot of money on them. Like we, we'd have a show with a, a, a an eight-piece band behind us so we'd have, they'd have to be paid. Mm. First of all, we'd walk away with nothing mm. because the crowd wouldn't be there. So, yeah, it was hard, but I will always keep my hands in several different pots and I will keep myself in this business as long as God gives me the strength to do it. But I genuinely didn't think I'd still be here today.
0: Cause it's ga- it's gas. What's so funny ab- about you is like that. Yeah, when you were on the extractor, it was like, okay, this is an incredible voice. But what's so fascinating now is all the other things you can do. Even chatting to you here, you're just you're so intelligent and you're so fascinating. No, you are. And I I think I think people. But what's really interesting is like how, like you said, like the, the reason that you have a good relation with the paparazzi is because you give. You have an understand they're doing your job. But what you do give is I think you just have such a beautiful, like, honest and vulnerability about you that it just makes other people probably feel very seen and understood. Yeah,
1: well I'm I'm just an ordinary person. Exactly. Who's been given an extraordinary chance to do something that they've dreamed of doing all their lives. I mean, I said the other day, yesterday to, to Michelle sitting at the backstage, I said, I was sitting in the big dress and I said, Do you know what? I can't believe I'm actually staring not staring but acting in, in on a play. Even okay, it's it's a panto, but it's a play. Yeah. And I'm sitting here playing one of my characters that I loved watching, like Sleeping Beauty The Queen and all that. And, and Michelle's looking at me like I had 40 heads and I said, like, but you don't understand I watched this all my life on on the Disney DVDs or well they were tapes when I had them uh, video tapes. and I used to always say oh god I'd love to be an actress even though they were cartoons I still would love to be an actress I, you know that dream would have never come true if I hadn't taken that chance yeah. on the thing but again I took the chance as an ordinary person and I'm still the same person yeah. and that's why I think people are interested in me because they know I haven't changed. I'm still living in my same house. I'm still going around to Tesco doing my shop, and I go to Aldi's with me, me trolley. You know, I'm I'm just Mary Bourne, yeah. who's doing a job she loves and's been given an opportunity to do that. And the people that have backed me, you know, I just they they're, they're the they're the heroes. Yeah, they're the ones that are backing me and keeping me going. Yeah, you know, and I love them for that.
0: Do you think there is you know the way you said like uh you know if you moved to the UK it would have been different and like you'll never be a millionaire and all that do you think there is that like misconception because people see it on the telly and stuff that everyone just assumes you're loaded
1: hugely misconception I mean I I go down to my local pubs and there's still one or two guys who say you must be you, you must be rolling in it now Mary and you know I'd love to say some there's my bank statement yeah. do you think I'm rolling in it yeah. you know but I I don't give them that i say oh yeah yeah I'm rolling all over the place that's why I'm still drinking and Tim Youngs and having the drink you know yeah. a beer but um. Yet they do. People think that I came out and I made a fortune. And you know, I made a few bob. But what I did with that few bob was I brought my family to America um, twice. And I brought my friends on holidays and I spent most of it on just enjoying and thanking my family and friends for supporting me and being with me all the way through. Um, Yeah, so I spent an awful lot on that. Mm. And I enjoyed it. And I made memories with my family because they were there 24 seven beforehand or 24 six, whatever the, the saying is. Mm. Cathy keeps contradicting me and saying it's 24 this and 24 <laughs> this. But But they were there all the way through long before the X Factor. And when the X Factor came along, they showed their true colours. They backed me up a thousand. My, my four friends who just backed me up a thousand percent mm. and did everything for me back in here when I was in the UK, looked after Deborah, did everything. So I looked after them when I came home mm-hmm. because they could have made a fortune. They could have told many stories. And were asked And were offered big money And they wouldn't take it mm-hmm. And that to me is loyalty Yeah So the money I made I spent on my family and friends Had a ball You know Now I'm out there Just scraping together And making a living
0: Yeah 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 And I'm enjoying it Absolutely oh, yeah. And come here So then Because to me You feel like one of the like Just having hung out with you For the last like two months working You're very hard working Like you do a lot of different things Like we'd be going home or whatever And you're going off And singing another to thing gig, yeah And is, uh, like it's just It's like, cause I know, cause I make my living doing a similar thing. It's it's hard work, and you're self-employed, and you're work, constantly yeah. going. Is there ever a part of you that like wishes that like you were still in Tesco, or misses that like stability of that, and you knew you were gonna clock out at five o'clock, and that was it?
1: Yeah, there is a huge part of me. I mean, I often sit and think of it God. If I was just getting up to go to work today. I'd be home by four, and I'd have a week's wage at the end of the week, and the taxman would be dealt with by the the job and everything else. And I, I, like, as I said, I would never have the, I would never be afraid to go back to doing that type of work. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't, and that's genuine, but I don't want to. Yeah. But the scary thing is that, you know, when you're in this type of business, it is, you know, you have to make your money and you have to budget it all the time to make sure, because you don't get work every day mm. and you don't get work every week. It's not like working in Tesco's where you, you know you're in Monday to Friday yeah. and you're you're getting your pay every week. Yeah, and I do get scared about that and I would, I do often sit down and sometimes I sit down and I say, I think I just look for a job somewhere else. And my daughter goes, you can't, you're married, but everybody knows you. How could you go in for a cleaning job or do this and do that? And that is the thing, I, you know, I could do it, but I would have to put a backlash of people saying, ah, look at you back at the cleaning. Yeah. And that wouldn't bother me, but it would bother my daughter. So, you know, so yeah, yeah, I do miss having that pay packet every week and knowing that it's secure. Mm. I, I miss that. Mm. And, um, yeah, but would I give it up? Not unless I really had to. Yeah. Would I give up what I'm doing at the moment?
0: But it's not the funny thing, because I, I and I think again, this is why I think it, this is this is why I love you anyway, It's because like it's so funny that they can both be true at the same time. That you can be mm. like, yeah, like this is my dream. You're like, you're, oh, you're gonna do all these amazing things, which you are. And then at the same time, it's like, but I like, guess yeah, sometimes it's tricky, and sometimes I miss the way it was.
1: It is very tricky. Yeah. I mean, there are times when I don't have Anton. You know, when I am living off what little savings I have yeah, and uh, that can be very scary especially when, you're, when you are when you the sole earner of the house. Like my daughter has her own job and she does her own thing but I have to pay for the, the rent of my house. I have to pay for the ESB. I have to pay for this, pay for the other. Yeah. So they're all scary to me and, and how will I cope next year if I don't have six jobs, you know, six gigs coming in and, and it, it it's so scary but I don't want to give it up. I don't want to... Yes, I'd love to have that uh, stability of... It, but I'd miss the excitement that this work brings mm. and you, you, you either love this I mean really love it or you hate it yeah and I think I have just fallen so madly in love with this side of the business yeah that I'm prepared to put up with the scary the scariness and and, and, and the, the fear yes that comes with it yes, yes, yes. and that's that, that's the difference with somebody who does this you know has plenty of money and just does it for for the sake of doing it, or someone who does it because they love it. Yeah. And that's the way you're the same. You're doing it because you love it. Absolutely. Not because you're becoming a millionaire. Someday you hope to break through like like we all do. Mm-hmm. We just I just want that one record that'll make me a big star. You know, around Ireland. That doesn't have to be anywhere else, just in Dublin, Ireland. Yeah. Or, or that one uh television scene that somebody might say, Oh, we'll give Mary Bourne a shot in this particular sitcom and and for that to just take off. We're all looking for that. Yeah. But in the meantime, we're just scratching at what we can get and doing it. Well. And the thing is, we go out and we do it well. We put all our heart and soul into because we
0: love it. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Well, I give this thing a spin. <laughs> I've been neglecting it. Yes. You were too interesting. Right. <laughs> uh, number sixteen. Do you have it? Uh, no, you definitely fixed this now. I didn't fix it. <laughs> <laughs> what are your memories of nine eleven?
1: Nine eleven. Very sad. Mm. For for obvious reasons, with with the the airplane crashing, two planes going into the Twin Towers. On that particular day, I remember exactly where I was. It was um, around two o'clock in the afternoon here, or three o'clock. And I had, I was having, as I said, I was having trouble up where I was living. Mm. And I was going to see um, a psychiatrist because I was suffering, starting to suffer depression. Mm. Well, I had depression for many years, but I had combated it as I thought and then this new scene that was happening to me had triggered it all off again and this is where the weight went on and everything and on that particular day I remember combing my daughter's hair because we were going up to see a psychiatrist Um, and I was bringing her with me because she was only young and I had the television on and I was just putting the bun and the ponytail in her hair when I seen the plane going into the, the tower and it put all my depression straight into perspective mm. you know like it just said y- y- you don't have it as bad as that you know but that that's that's my memory I've seen it the very first plane now the second plane it was I think going in to the building and then when we left the house that day this guy followed me in the van and started threatening me banging the side of the van and the whole lot so I have two sad or bad feelings about that it was the day the plane went into the Twin Towers and the day that my depression broke mm. and I literally crumbled and when I got to the psychiatrist i my poor little girl was out in the toy room with with, with the people that were looking after and i was sobbing for nearly an hour in this room and you know i know i wasn't sobbing over the nine eleven. i was sobbing over myself but then having seen that as well that was in my head as well so yeah it's not a nice memory yeah it's not a nice memory for either for, for the 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 playing the people in the in the twin towers or for what I was feeling that day It was a horrible, horrible time But I will never forget That specific moment When I turned to the television And seen the plane going in And I was so badly damaged With my own depression That I just didn't know I didn't know how to feel mm. it, was, it was the weirdest Scariest Real Real moment mm. That I ever had in my life yeah. I, Even giving birth to my daughter Didn't stand with this Realisation of, of What was happening to me and, and in the world at the same time. It was crazy.
0: Isn't that crazy? That yeah. and, and it's like the most probably famous day in history. Yeah. You know well, what It I mean? is definitely. You know?
1: And everybody, the majority of people will remember where they were, what they were doing when they heard the news. I was watching it while I was combing my daughter's hair to go to a psychiatrist to combat my madness, I call. I always called the demons, you know, the demons that were eating at me because of what the situation I was in. And it was just bloody scary and I can't even think of a word that would describe the feeling I felt yeah. but I felt as if you know I could die now and it doesn't matter mm. and then I looked down at my little baby and I said no I can't so all there was so many feelings going through me my body what was happening on television what was happening in my head people say when, when things are happening in your head you don't relate to what's happening outside well you see the funny thing was I did I did I related to that, I was going, oh fuck, look at this. This can't be happening. And then in the other part of me I was saying, yeah, you're a bit mad, you're, going, you're getting worse now at this point in time. It was just all these conflictions, conflictions were going on in my brain and it was horrible. Mm. So I will never forget
0: 9-11. What's your, like my uh, my mother's like a therapist and so it's in that ballpark of like psychiatry and like it's something yeah. that I've done therapy and like really mm. found it very useful. Did Have you had like much of a relationship with that or found it useful in your life?
1: Um, I have a brother who is a sober alcoholic. Right, uh, he's Deborah's 31, so he's 20. He's 20 years off the drink, and he would have t- learned all this through working with, you know, AA and and alcoholism and and drug drug pe- people with drug problems. And me and him would talk, and he opened my mind to an awful lot of what I what I go through, and so I. I will read about it as well and and, and I will I won't analyze myself because I think when you analyze yourself you can you can make yourself worse. Mm. But what I do do is I do know when the triggers are happening. And I've learned how to what to do when them triggers come. Mm. Like before when I when when something would bring me down, I would just stay there. I would say I can't get out of this. There's no way I can't move out of this circle. The circle is it's, it's it's you know, it's crushing me. Now when that happens, I will do something else. I will ring my friend. I'll say, I'm feeling like crap today. Yeah. Oh God. And then I'll just burst into tears. And vice versa, she suffers with schizophrenic. So she will ring me when she's having her days like that as mm. well. So they're just one or two of the things. Now as well, with the, with the new exercise regime that I'm doing, the new healthy me, getting up and going for a walk. You know, always talking to somebody is great. But getting up and clearing your mind, go for a swim. Mm. Do whatever you can. To get away, from, not not don't not running away from the situation, but to get out and to clear yourself and think while you're out. Think, you know, this is something that will pass. It will pass. You are having a bad day. You're having a horrible day, and you don't know what the reason is. So, let's swim. Let's walk. And let's think. Why are you feeling this way? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I would analyze that side of myself. Most of the times now, I I just get up, go for my walk, and I do do a lot of talking about it. Not just to my friend. I would do an awful lot talking to my brother about it Uh, to Cathy, who is my manager. Uh, I would talk to her. I would say, listen, I'm feeling shitty today. And then we go to a a whole conversation would open up. Yeah. And, and, you know, you realize then you're not on your own. You're not you're not doing this alone. You are only one in a huge pond of people who are suffering the same way. Mm. So the story I would like to get out to people is, you know, never feel alone. And that's what happens to some people. God love them. They feel nobody else will understand this. There's always somebody else out there to understand how you're feeling. Mm -hmm. So I will always pick up a phone or go to my doctor or do something or analyse it. If you have to, if I really have to analyse what, I'll sit and I'll think, what is triggering this? Mm. And it could be that I haven't been out for a walk for four days. Right. So I'm sitting in the house and I'm bringing myself back down again. Or it could be that I've gone out on a Saturday night and got fairly pissed. Mm and so my emotions are all over the place yes so and or it could be that someone died belongs to me you know and I have to cope with that so they're all everything that happens to you has a trigger mm-hmm. you just have to find those triggers yeah and you know they're not easy to find but you can learn to do it yes instead of sitting at home and letting your life go down the drain you can bring yourself back out of that drain turn the tap off put the plug in and start living again yeah that's 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 what you can do and that's what I've discovered and that's how I'm getting through it. There are days I sit and I cry for nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> poor me, poor me. And then I say, poor you. What about the poor old fella out in the street sleeping in his sleeping bag, or the poor man who's hooked on alcohol or d- drugs who doesn't see a light at the end of the tunnel? You have a roof over your head and a warm bed to sleep in, and your health. So that's what gets me out of me, me bits and pieces. It doesn't work all the time. Works most of the time though. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Good, beautiful, right? That's for the thing. Told you I could talk for Ireland oh, I love it Come <laughs> here You're in the right place uh, Number 50 Do you have it?
1: No I have 52 That's not fair
0: uh, It's close It's close Number 50 uh, oh, What are your dreams For the next five years? Uh,
1: to finish my novel that, I have, that I've started Really? I've started a novel um, I've just started To put it onto my phone Because I can't spell Okay And I can't use computers Right And if I do write down stuff I write it in my uh, The way I spell it mm-hmm. And then I can't understand it When I go back to it But oh, the gas thing Is my brother can Okay why I don't know That's amazing isn't My it My brother can understand Vice versa, down To me when I, I look back at It's a lot of gibberish But when he reads it He's able to read the whole thing out But anyway That's getting off the subject mm. uh, To finish the novel That I've started And to get it published If I can uh, I want to do more acting um, And I really 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 want to do um, Some sort of a sitcom A big sitcom Or, or, or a, I suppose a, a comedy A serious comedy mm. I want to do something like that On television Great. And yeah, and just basically get healthier. Yeah. And and start feeling good about myself. Keep feeling good about myself and get to a nice weight where I'm I'm happy. And then you know, I'd be nearly what then what you say next twelve years? Five. Five. Well I'd be nearly sixty five then. Yeah. So um yeah, I'd like to be still working and still doing my thing and still singing. Yeah. They're my dreams. That's amazing. Yeah.
0: Yeah, your voice is in such like amazing shape for someone who's used it so much. and like, Yeah, and
1: I've smoked. I used to smoke for years. I smoked yeah. since I was about 30. And I, I, you see, this is why I think it was given to me as a gift. Yeah, And I wasted it so long because I was too afraid. Yeah. Because I was too insecure. Because I didn't like who I was. And still sometimes look in the mirror and I'm not like who I am. Mm. But that they're all my insecurities and I have to deal with them and I am dealing with them. But I wasted this talent that, for me, God gave. For other people, the universe gave or it's just a natural thing that comes from you. Yeah, and it's still holding out. Thank God, it's still holding out, and it's getting stronger. And I don't want to waste that anymore. Yeah, I want as many people who want to listen to that and hear it. And I mean, I'm I'm doing it. Hopefully, going to doing something like a, a one woman play as well about my life with Buffy, yeah. you know Buffy, yeah. uh, we're going to be doing something like that. Hopefully we need to get backers to back it and stuff like that. But that's another thing. And I want people to see the real me and, and, and hear my voice on stage, sing the songs that have the meanings to me, that mean something in my life and that carried me through my life mm-hmm. the ups and the downs yeah
0: I think that'd be so amazing though because like you are such a, you're, you're so, I, I just love listening to you talk so like and then to hear like your context of the songs even like that gorgeous little I mean gorgeous and sad thing about your sister-in-law you know and that's her song even just knowing that like the people who are seeing this show now every day they don't know that like when you're singing that song prob- you probably can't help but think about her yeah you know I do I mean?
1: think about her every night I'm singing it now since since she passed away in in, in Christmas Eve that every time I go up to sing it and I'm singing to a doll on stage and but I don't see the doll yeah. I just the, the movements. you'll see me doing the movements all the time but in my head I'm saying this is for you Geraldine and I'm just singing it to me heart's content. and I do get choked up sometimes and sounds like I have a little bit of a crackle in my voice mm. but uh, I, then I just bow to the people and walk off and take a deep breath and say well I hope you enjoy that one yeah. I'm sick singing this song to you Yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: Right <laughs> I think we've got time for about two more and then we will rock and roll. Right, so number 49, do you have it? No. (laughs) I feel like you're getting mad at me now. Uh, What do you think people's first impressions of you are?
1: Oh God, I don't know. Um, Well, I would like to think that when people first meet me, that what I give them is the real me. I don't like giving falseness to Mm -hmm. people. Um... No one has ever said to me what their first impression is. Some people have said because since the X Factor oh well I, I didn't know how to approach you because of who you are and I'm going oh hello you see me on the telly you see me hugging everybody in the street you know. Um,
0: I can tell you. Right. No it's good. <laughs>
1: oh God. <Come laughs> no,
0: no, no I was when I first met you it, do you know what it was because at, like that I had seen you on the telly and I had seen you do the things and like I said I really like I really just had a very visceral reaction when I used to watch you do The X Factor. And and then I've seen you, you know, in all the bits and bobs since then. And I was just like, thank God she's exactly what I expected her to be. Oh. Because I expect, because what the person I saw was so likeable and so honest and so just beautiful. And I was just like, and then when we even, it was at that photo shoot day, do you remember? Yes. Out in the fashion city thing. That was the day
1: I lost me my pussycat was dead. Oh, your poor cat, yeah. 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 That's what Morgan, that's why Morgan stood out for me because he stood up and gave me a hug and said, I'm sorry to hear about your cat ah. So Sorry getting back to Morgan again See that Morgan fella's playing in my head Yeah
0: He's yeah. he's wonderful <laughs> But But yeah So it was like that. That's what it was Because I suppose There is that Because some people Have like very much Like their showbiz like, And there'll be all that And then you know When the cameras are off And then you might meet them And then it's It's not what you expected But I I feel like That's not the case with you You are who you are Who you are
1: It's funny enough We were coming out of the theatre The other day With, with Buffy uh, uh, Rob mm. And I'm sitting in the care while Rob was talking to some friends and this woman and her daughter were coming along and the daughter copped me sitting in Buffy's car and she, she said dear's Mary, born in the car and the mother went into hysterics and, and came around can I have a photograph and she's shaking and I opened the door and I said of oh, course you can pet and she, I gave her a hug and she oh you're so down dirt. oh my god oh she's so down dirt. I can't you've made my year oh my god I'm so excited and I was just standing there going I'm in shock I was in shock Yeah. that she would have thought of anything else other than the fact that I was down to earth and that I was just like her. And that's what she said to me walking away. You're just like me. I said, I hope so, <laughs> you know. I am just from Ballyferma, I'm nothing else. She did, that. what, what you just said there, that I was exactly the same as what you have seen on the telly. And that's what she was saying. You're exactly the same. You're just down to earth. And you know, oh my God. And she was literally, the woman was nearly crying. Mm. This was only, um, not last like night before. Yeah. It was just weird. And then I got back into the car, little Adam's in the back of the car and I said to Adam, I still find that weird. And he goes, do you? And he's all excited in the back of the car because he had seen it first hand, you know, the, somebody coming over to Mary Bourne. Yeah. And he said, I wouldn't be. I said, oh, no, I don't. I think that's really weird now. people getting, And he said, well, she was shaking. She was shaking. She was literally yeah. shaking and tears in her eyes. Wow. I just find that fascinating. Yeah. You know, I, I've never been like that about anybody.
0: Have you not? I was going to ask you what was it like the first time you were meeting all these people? Like, since you have sang with Michael Bublé, you've met the Simon only, Cowell. The only the
1: only one that I felt like that was Michael Bublé. Was it? Yeah, I have to say, uh, not that I fancy Michael Bublé or that I, you know, would be a huge fan. Um, I don't know why he was standing in the corridor of the X Factor talking to Louis Walsh, and I was walking up along. I didn't even know who he was. I didn't even look at him. I was Just seeing Louis back to me, and it was Louis who said, "Mary, Mary, come here, and meet Michael." So it was when he when he said, Come here meet Michael, I kind of looked and I looked again, and he's just porcelain. Mm. You know, he's he's very porcelain looking. And a terrible nice person. But I all I remember was putting my hand on his face and saying, Are you real? <laughs> and he went, Well, I hope so. In whatever accent he has. Yeah. But he spoke to me for about I think three quarters of an hour. We went into the room, me, him, and, and Louis, and he was such a nice guy, such just like you and me, yeah. yapping. And then it was six months later when I seen the, his video came out with a new song and and a part of his life and stuff and I'm standing in the stupid video with my hand on his face. That's gas. In the X Factor with Louis Walsh beside me. That's <laughs> so funny. So he would be the only one so far. Yeah. I think Tom Jones I've seen but I didn't shake with Tom Jones. I just wanted to hug him. Mm. I want, but when he kissed me on the nose I melted like a chicken Yeah, you know in, in uh, or not like a chicken I melted like a, bo- a butter yeah. on a plate I just went ha ah, ah, because ah, ah, he would be one of my idols of course you know but like to see people getting that nervous with me it, it's just it's it's weird yeah, yeah. It's, it's nice but it's weird yes but I haven't been like that except as I said Tom Jones would be the only one that kind of made me when I met Simon Cowell I was a bit kind of oh Simon Cowell but then I got to know Simon he's just a it's just Simon Cowell. Yeah, he's nothing spectacular. He's a nice man. He's very generous, and he has a business head that you don't like. That I don't like. I never like anyone that's in business that's trying to walk over somebody. And that's what they do. That's what all business people do. They they have to get to where they want to be, and mm-hmm. that's it. Yeah. So, yeah. No, it is weird. It's weird when you, when people come up to you and shake. And it was it, even see what gets me even more is when young kids, like I was in Penny's there a couple of weeks ago, and a young girl and our friend were in buying something, and they had phones with them, and they were looking at taking. One of them said, "I know that voice," and my daughter was with me and my niece. And my niece said, "Oh, Mary, you copped," and I said, "Why?" And she said, "That girl's is saying I know that voice," and I just turned around. She went, "It is, it is." Now, they were only about 17 or 18. Mm. They were literally shaking, taking the fo- taking the selfies. Their hands were rattling. Yeah. And i went, oh, I can't believe I'm you. You're lovely. Oh, I love you. And, blah, blah, blah. and I'm going, you're all right. You're going to give them a big hug. Oh, mary Born is hugging me. Oh, Mary-Burn, is kissing me. And I'm going, oh, my God. It's weird. Wow, yeah. Because I'm just mary Bourne.
0: I know, I know. I don't see
1: myself like that. Yeah. At all. And yeah. that's on my mother and father who are in heaven. I do not see myself like that at all. Like. You know me. I walk every day with you. I go into work. I'm just... I'll, I'll have a laugh I say stupid things Like the rest of us oh, We just do our thing Exactly
0: How often does it happen That you're stopped Or like is, A lot Does it? it?
1: It would happen a lot in town In If I'm in shopping in, yeah. Around the shops And and the the older women They're the funniest Because they, they Like they'll sit on a bench While they're resting With their husband And they'll copy you up And like Oh there's Mary Mary how are you Mary And you're going How's it going How are you, you know, And i are going Ah she's lovely isn't she <laughs> I've never seen a woman In my life yeah. But it's the younger girls Who get a bit Stary struck
0: Yeah
1: And I think it's probably Because you see it on the telly Yes And being young That's the way they react Yeah
0: yeah
1: So but they, the older ones Are aghast They just come over Well as a, apart from that woman Who was a Roughly a bit, bit older than me yeah. Who I couldn't believe Was so shaky and and, uh-uh. and and it was lovely Yeah And she was lovely Yeah But I couldn't get over it Yeah The tears were in her eyes And she was shaking
0: Wow It was lovely Gorgeous Right we'll give it One more spin right Right one more spin And again thanks for doing this Not a This you, has been well. lovely Right uh, Number 53 Do you have it?
1: 52. Oh, you whitewashed.
0: I wanted to get you one. I, I am sorry. I am sorry. Right. Uh, question is, what is oh, this is a nice way to end? What is the best piece of advice you've ever received?
1: I think there's two, a couple of them. One of them is, you know, be kind and treat others the way you would like people to treat you. Mm. Sometimes that can be very hard to do, but if you can. The benefits are unbelievable to you, your soul, uh, your mind and, and to the to the universe. The other is to work hard. Mm-hmm. Louis Walsh. My father told me that as well, but Louis Walsh, when I was doing the X Factor, he said the only way to make it in this business, he said, and you may never become a big, big star or like that, but to keep yourself going is to work hard, put yourself out there and, and make sure that, you know, you don't kick anybody on the way up because you will come down and they'll kick you just as hard. Yeah. So that, that, those two pieces of advice I work on all the time. Be kind to people. Smile at people when you're walking down the street. Say good morning because nobody knows what people are going through and you could lift someone's spirit by just saying, how are you today? Or, how are you? Good morning. You know, or give a wave or especially to the older people who are walking through, even the younger people mm. who you think might have it all sewn together could be going through a bad time. Mm. And for you to walk down and say, how's it going? And they go, great, how are you? And when they walk past Something in their mind clicks Oh that was very nice And it happens to every single human being Yeah And unless you're The the baddest of the baddest You know You won't get away with Not feeling something When someone says hello to That you don't know Yeah So say good morning to somebody Be kind to those around you And look after each other Yeah That's The best And work hard if you can Yeah Whatever you do Whatever you decide to do Work hard at it
0: Beautiful. What a nice way to end it. There you go. Uh, is there anything coming up that you want to plug? I mean, we're finishing up our panto this week, so that'll be all done. By That's the time this all comes done, out.
1: and then I'm off on a cruise. So um, you Lovely. know, so I'm working with the likes of Inglebert Humpting, which the younger, younger crowd probably wouldn't even know.
0: I just know the name because Inglebert
1: Tongbooting. He done the Eurovision there two years ago as well for the UK. That's right. But he was a big star back when Tom Jones was going around as yeah, well. Yeah. So he's doing this cruise with me along with Charlie Pride, who is a big country star in in the states. So, and, yeah, and a lot of Irish acts are going on this particular ship uh I'm, I'm nothing really coming up that i I mean most of it is 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 in process at the moment, so, yeah, yeah, so I that's basically like it. your
0: social media there and all that that'll all be put out there in yeah.
1: social media, but Wonderful. I would love people to come and hear just come once to hear me sing and 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 hear the see the show that we put on. It's, it's a great bit of crack and, and some great good old ones and some great good new songs in there.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. So. Mary Byrne, thank you for playing Personality Bingo.
1: Thank you for having me. <laughs>
0: so guys that was Mary Byrne playing personality bingo with Tom Warren a massive thank you to Mary for taking the time to do it as I said it was so lovely um, just getting a chat to Mary over the, the last few months and just getting to know her um, and I'm actually looking forward to telling her that the episode's going out this week uh, This week, just to be able to give her a shout and to check in how she's doing because I haven't seen her in like two weeks and it's amazing when you do a run as intense as what we did over the Christmas time uh, you really do miss these people like it's such a cliche but it's only a cliche because it's true they do kind of become your family and um, Mary was absolutely like my stage mum, and um, what a-, a wonderful stage man she was um guys uh mainly 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 a massive thank you to the wonderful taz keller for mixing editing and producing this podcast also a huge thank you to Connor nolan for the deadly artwork to leah moore and anthony manley from more than machines thank you so much for our brilliant theme music and as always a massive thank you to paddy and alan at headstuff um as we said these are uh, the boss the boss men as taz is the boss woman they produce so many wonderful podcasts like in the shower with our lovely taz uh, and, and countless others uh, i encourage you to just check out the Head Stuff Array podcast because it's ever growing it's the biggest podcast network in Ireland and it's also the best and they are absolutely brilliant and I'm so uh, lucky to be a part of them so lads thank you for having me guys as I said I'll be able to fill you in a little bit more on some of the stuff that I am doing uh, in the coming weeks Um, but I am delighted to say we have some deadly episodes in the can with uh, the wonderful Paul Byram absolutely incredible singer from Our Lovely Shores uh, with Eva Jane Gaffney who's um, kind of a woman of uh, a million trades and uh, a master of all of them as well Um, so that's going to be a really cool episode Also, just did one there with uh, the brilliant Mark Canton, who has some really cool shows coming up, as well with Maria Guyver. And we've just got loads in the can. It's a really exciting time for the podcast, and as well with Paul Meskel, who's just had the best year playing Gatsby in the gate and um, also in the red shoes now. And he's going on to something very exciting that I'm sure he'll be able to tell you about in the coming weeks. So, look, lads, it's very, very cool. It's an exciting time for the podcast. It's a new year, Uh, not new us, though. We're going to keep going exactly as we were. Uh, It was deadly to have the 50th episode out last week. If you didn't listen to that, well, it was me um, playing my own game. So that was kind of fun I did the the, uh, the answering and um, it was absolutely deadly so look guys I will leave it there thank you so much for listening to Mary Byrne playing personality bingo with Tom Moran